Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, this is Pam Shriver. You're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, it's women's semi-finals day at Wimbledon and at Tennis Podcast Towers, it's a very exciting day too because I'm very pleased to tell you that we're joined by five-time Wimbledon doubles champion Pam Shriver. Pam, welcome. Thanks. Great to be here and I can't believe um, seeing you guys and doing this in person with you. I mean, we still can't believe we're doing it in person <laughs> either. It's still it's still quite the novelty for us. So, uh, yeah, it really is an absolute treat. Matt and I were on Centre Court today watching, courtesy of uh, our friend Mal South, who, um, who gave us some tickets, which we're great, very grateful for. David, you were in the commentary booth. I was, yeah. Yeah, I was talking about uh, Irina Sabalenka and Karolina Pliskova. And, and I, I kind of feel like... I might, I might think that was the better match in the end, and I was not expecting that to be the case. Yeah, I think so. I think going into today, I would have said that I would have watched Barty Kerber probably nine times out of ten over Pliskova Sabalenka. You know, matchups make tennis matches, and I felt like Kerber Barty was just a dream of a matchup, and it was great. It really, it really was a great match. But then. Pliskova Sabalenka came along and it was an awesome sight. We've all just marvelled, Pam, watching the the BBC's roundup show on Wimbledon. We've all just marvelled at the statistic that they produced that the Pliskova Sabalenka match is the first three set women's semi final at Wimbledon in six years. I mean, I, I know there have been some slightly disappointing semi finals days, but that's. That's a real shocker of a statistic. Well, I'm thinking back to the three semifinals that I played, where I played Chrissy, Steffi, Steffi, and I couldn't get past 6-3 in any of the sets. So (laughs) from my own personal history, there have been a lot of um, straight set matches, but I was amazed that this finally the second semi ended that streak. And it it was tremendous. I just thought holding serve on a grass court was restored <laughs> yes after uh Korda and Hachinov seem to have killed it forever um but I must say w- women's semi-finals day at a, at a slam has been a has been a great ticket for quite a few months now if you think back just the French Open recently we had two fantastic matches 
the Australian Open in particular, Brady Mukova was a great match, and then obviously last year's US Open is the one which sticks out most, I think, for everyone. There's there's been a lot of good women's semifinals recently at Slams, and I think today we'll will stand up. It was a it was a great day. Does this therefore disprove my theory, Pam, that the women's game should go best of five sets from the quarterfinals onwards because then it guards against somebody getting off to a rubbish start. It's a communal theory. Yeah. Communal. Yes, communal. It's interesting you say that because overall, I think a competitive two out of three set match is the perfect length of time. Um, I like that two-hour competition. But today when I was watching Kerber and... uh, Ash Barty, I was thinking, you know what? I feel like if this was a three out of five, like Kerber might dig her way back in it. And you want more. Surely at that point you're thinking, I want more of this. Yeah, so I actually said out loud, I think for the first time in my entire life, (laughs) like should women's semifinals onward be three out of five? So I actually did utter that thought today. But I'm going to sleep on it. (laughs) David's hopeful little face when you said, when you said that, Pam. It was should we start with Pliskova Sabalenka because it was such a surprise package. I mean, when when we found out we had tickets for, for today, I was all about Barty Kerber, and it was great. I, we we I say we. <laughs> I rather bigged up the prospect of Barty Kerber. I said, "There's absolutely no way that this won't be a thriller." Um, that this won't be an epic all time, but I, I promised the listeners big time. And look, it was great. It was really, really good. I wanted more. I, I was left wanting by that match. I think Angelique Kerber was left wanting by that match. And Sabalenka Pliskova, I mean, o- over delivered. It was like they were compensating for my for my being left wanting from the first match. Boy, did they over deliver and talk about. Pliskova over delivering on sort of the absolute nothing that she's promised for the past couple of years really I mean where has this come from Pam from Pliskova that three set win today well I think back to five years ago when she got the U.S. Open final played a great final against Kerber she was the ace leader for a number of years on the tour to me it was for a couple of years it was one of the two or three best shots in women's tennis was her serve and it kind of lost its edge. And if a big server loses the edge with a serve, then your game can really decline. And then I, I don't know her well enough to know, like her, it looked like a lack of motivation, but there's nothing like catching your game on fire on a grass court for you to suddenly feel the motivation again. Does it make a difference in your experience with some players like her to to not be a top 10 player and not be somebody who's won the warm-up event coming in. We've seen her lose and when when it all seems to have been going perfectly. She's come in, she's won a spawn or she's won whatever's before the US Open and then she's just messed up early on. And and yet here she is, none of us are talking about her. I've I've gone as far as saying she will never win a Grand Slam on this show a few times. <laughs> getting a bit worried about that one no good luck to her good luck to her i hope she proves me wrong but you know is that a thing that that kind of expectation do you think that that is a factor here that there is no real anticipation from many people that she's going to go deep and be a a contender 
I think very few tennis players like to fly above the radar screen. Most prefer to be underground and surprise. It's only the greatest of champions like Novak and Rafa and Serena who can deal with the pressure of being the best with the highest expectations and still deliver. So, yeah, I feel like no one even thought she didn't win a match on grass going into Wimbledon and she lost love and love like in Rome two months ago. So who had Pliskova on their list to break through? And a lot of times that's what an athlete likes is to be able to surprise. It's pretty remarkable how the two most recent love and love losses that stand out in people's mind that player who's lost has then gone to reach the final of the next major they've played no okay with Pliskova she had Roland Garros in between but you know weeks later then been in the final of a slam I just think you know plots and stories can change so quickly in tennis and I think that I think that's what's surprising it, it, it hadn't been a sudden decline for Pliskova it had been two years really since that Australian Open semi-final of 2019 where her results had really gone off so we had a lot of a lot of data to suspect that she, she might have had her time and is she actually going to do it at a, at a major if it had just been a month or so or a couple of months of bad form it wouldn't be as surprising but this has gone on for a while with Pliskova I think it's incredibly impressive how she's plucked this from seemingly nowhere I've rarely felt as uncomfortable watching a tennis match as when she lost to Iga Sviantek, Six Love, Six Love. And Sviantek has, because she has that merciless efficiency, she's very skillful, but, but she just knows how to win tennis matches in this relentless fashion. But at the same time, looking down the other end and just thinking, oh God, I, I need to go somewhere else because I can't watch this. It's so awkward. Um, and then to see her today... I think that's the might be the first match I've commentated on her at court level and seen the when she is on a game and she was so on her game there were full-blooded serves coming at Pliskova today and she's just middling them back with no there's no topspin on these strokes they're just sort of shoulder height she hits them shoulder height and arrows them downwards in a diagonal way just a little a little diagonal like like a plane coming into land <laughs> and she just smacks them and they go straight as a die it's a spectacular sight and if you don't have spin you better be on your game because we know like spin can cover up for a lot of um, not feeling confident if you can cover the ball but she's a perfect example of hard and flat and if she doesn't have her confidence it's going to be all over the place but she's she's found it here and, and it's a fascinating contrast with Sabalenka because I think of them as, I think I did a comparison the other day, I think of them as fairly similar style players, big heavy hitters. But with Sabalenka, you see the effort that's going into absolutely every shot. Whereas with Pliskova, it seems such a natural, pure strike. Like she doesn't doesn't put her all into everything and yet the, the ball pings off those strings. It's It's a really interesting contrast and it also plays out in their demeanors generally Sabalenka is all energy and full throttle all the time and Pliskova is just so much calmer um, which I think can sometimes be mistaken for a lack of engagement in a match and sometimes 
it probably is the case but today she was she was so focused as she has been all tournament she said her her goal she and Sasha by and her coach coming in her her goal was she said my dream was to reach, reach the second week that's how that's how poor a, a run it had been for and actually I, re- I remember I think it must have been a couple of years ago when she was still working with Conchita Martinez before she went to work full-time with Garbini Muguruza M- Martinez saying just how much Pliskova didn't really like the grass and didn't really like how much people just assumed she would be able to play on grass because she's tall and rangy and has a big serve, sort of your, your classic your classic sort of archetypal grass court tennis player. And actually, she'd always really struggled with the movement and resented the assumption that that would be her surface. That was only two years ago I think and there hasn't been a Wimbledon in between can but is is grass the kind of surface where you you can just have a light bulb moment with it or it can just you, you it can click well, I think it's possible I mean for me I always love I always love grass I mean I, the reason I stayed in the top 10 for 10 years was because so much of the tour when I played was on grass. I won half my 21 titles on this surface, so I fell in love with it right away. But yes, can you click in? Think of Agassi. Like, he didn't like the surface at all when he started. There's a lot of people that are so uncomfortable. A lot of it has to do with the movement, which has been a big part of this championship. But sure, I think suddenly this surface can click in and you, you stop fighting it and you accept it and you realize how your game hard and flat and you serve well, like Pliskova has the perfect serve. She can go, she's tall enough, she can go out wide on the ad side like Steffi Groff did. She can serve like the one she did the ace to win the match against Sabalenka. So she's got a perfect game for it, but if she doesn't believe it, then it's not going to happen. But now it seems like she believes it. The the one that I always think of, and it's his 25th anniversary, is Richard Krejcik, who was 6-5 and he had this massive serve and and he couldn't play on grass I mean he he got to the fourth round the year before or maybe two years before he won it but but he was not getting into the second week basically and suddenly he he describes it as as a as a click and and I think he he almost had to be talked into that he had to be told no no this should be your surface by somebody that he trusted. I think probably Ryan Gertzka, the, the coach. And then one day it was just there. I mean, he went and beat Sampras and Michael Stick to 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 win Wimbledon. I nipped out to the to the hill for a bit during during that match to soak things up out there. I, I came back right at the start of the third set and. And I'd been watching on the hill, so I knew what had happened. But I asked for Max impressions, and he sort of looked at me with wild eyes and said, "Pliskov is moving like Simona Hallett." <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. Yeah, I was really struck by how well she was moving today. And actually, I thought that against Samsonova in the in the early on in the tournament, she was getting to balls that I didn't think she used to get to, and she was also doing something with it on the run. I think she's improved that area of her game quite quietly um is that a Sasha Bayne thing is that one of his trademarks well I think back to what Sasha did with Osaka who is built differently but still sort of tall and Osaka wasn't known as a speedster she was known more of a ball striker and a power player but I thought he did wonders for her movement and so I actually made that connection in the last in this week thinking 
well, maybe he's got some really good footwork stuff that's going on. But the other thing is when you feel confident and your serves working and you feel a freedom, guess what? You get a, about <laughs> a step and a half quicker. I, I think there's probably a mindset element to it as well. I think Pliskova, because I noticed in the first set how well she was defending. Now, part of that is because the way Sambalenka plays, what choice have you got? You know, you've, you're not necessarily going to knock her off the court, so there has to be a bit of a mindset shift. But I got the sense that Pliskova was taking pride in being able to get to these balls and defend and extend rallies and then draw an error. Um, and, and, and when I think back to Osaka at the 2018 US Open, the thing that I kept referring to in our podcast at the time was how, how I'd noticed from court level, if you sat behind her at court level, she managed to get her full body behind so many balls in a way that I'd never really noticed before. And, I'd, and maybe it's because she'd worked on that. Um, and it became very, very difficult to hit through her. And that, that definitely feels like she ended up drawing enough errors out of Sabalenka. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, I think perhaps in the past with Pliskova, there's been a bit of a fatalism about her movement where she's perhaps thought, I'm, movement's never going to be my thing. So... But I'll, I'll work on the other stuff. I'll I'll have a big serve and I'll, you know, I'll swipe away at those winners. But, you know, there's not much point in me thinking in terms of being a great mover. But it turns out she can move like Simona Halep. So <laughs> <laughs> I've done Halep such a disservice. Though. <laughs> well, I was just going to I was going to mention Sharapova and somebody else who's, say, six feet or taller on the women's game. And, you know, Sharapova was... Never fast, but she worked on it really, really hard. And she actually became a competent mover on the court, which I think helped her win a couple of more majors at the French. So I think it's a lesson for, like, not every tall female tennis player can be as quick as Venus Williams. But if you're willing to work on it day in, day out, which is, I don't have many regrets from my career, but one of the regrets I have is not working on my my footwork and my speed because I know I could have gotten quicker. I feel like that's what Pliskova's done. Did, so did did you have that attitude? Look, I, that's never going to be the the biggest part of my game, so I'll, I'll focus on honing the other stuff. Yeah, I, I protected too much my strengths and I didn't spend enough time on my weaknesses. And the, the only other regret is now, obviously, mindset. And David mentioned it, and I think it's all on the top of our heads right now, is like, your ability to um, have an open mindset, growth mindset. And that would be the other thing that if I had to do my career over again, it would be footwork and mindset. Wow. And Mary, Mary Carrillo always says that if there's something about top tennis players that they all have, it's, it's great movement. You, you can't get to the very top of the sport without it. And look, Pliskova has been number one, for quite a brief period but I think if she manages to win this Wimbledon that would be her ultimate achievement in tennis I think beyond that number one ranking that she got when she wasn't a major champion and this this improved movement and footwork could be a big, big would be a big factor in in a title for her here. Did Sabalenka do anything wrong today? Is Sabalenka, wherever she is right now, well, she's in a West Westminster hotel right now on her own. Um, I hope you're all right, Arena, if you're listening. Uh, is she having regrets? Is she having a restless night's sleep? 
I don't know. But I do feel when I was watching her that it's a diff- it's almost like a different type of percentage tennis. Her percentage tennis is I go for everything and hopefully 51% of it comes off. And and look, I I think I'm I might have slightly annoyed Hannah uh, who's doing our Twitter because she she loves Sablanka as I do. Um but you know there was a moment where she dug herself out of a love 40 and ended up winning the set and it was amazing what she did. She just she stopped Pliskova even getting a racket on the ball when she was love 40 down and it's spectacular and I love it. But she still ended up at love 40 in that game and I kind of feel like is there a is there a balance that she could strike? Is that could she compromise a bit here and not just go for everything? I think maybe she did it a bit earlier this year when she won Madrid and uh, and she was getting more roll on her shots. She was occasionally throwing in a drop shot, but I, I just wonder whether there's a bit of refinement to her game that she could add. I actually feel like this tournament, uh, she's grown up a lot. I've, when you've had a barrier. And for her, it was not getting past a third, fourth round of a major. So here she comes as a two seed. She's never been to a quarterfinal of a major. And not only did she get that quarter, she ended up going one further. So I kind of feel like this tournament, and also I want to go back to the second round, the way she handled center court against Bolter, center court crowd in full flight for Bolter. I thought she somehow held on to her composure. So I feel like, if Sabalenka goes on, I think she will win major titles. I think this Wimbledon will be crucial to that development. Mm. I think she's learnt this tournament how to win tight matches. Okay, she didn't win it today, but she there was the Bolter one, there was the Rebekina one. She, she, she'd lost a lot of matches in three sets at slams, and she's won two and lost one at this tournament. I think there's been a progression. Um, I did feel like Pliskova was playing really, really well throughout the whole match. Sabalenka's game was just more up and down. Um, but I don't. I don't think she did a massive amount wrong today. I, I think. This, I think this was more about Pliskova taking it from her. She was so good today, Pliskova. It was a very high quality match throughout. And Pliskova, Pliskova just served better in that final set in particular. Breaking at the start of the set and then serving it out for the rest of the set was, was so impressive. 32 games played, right? Pliskova lost serve once. I mean, that's that's tough. Absolutely. And I think that's four times for the tournament so far. Four times in six matches, which is a fearsome prospect. But Ash Barty in the final is going to ask her a different question altogether on that serve isn't she let's talk about her semi-final against Angelique Kerber as I said I wanted more I wanted a third set I wanted Angelique Kerber to serve out that second set not just because I had a lot of credibility (laughs) riding on that happening but also because it it had caught fire hadn't it it had it had got to the place where you wanted that match to be and then it was over and yeah, see see David's previous comments about best of five sets, but but Angelique Kerber. What what I'm glad about is Ash Barty did see the best of Angelique Kerber today and beat that 
which is not what she was necessarily seeing in the first set. But that's that's because Ash Barty was just asking Kerber completely different questions to any that she had been asked up up to this point. I mean, we were just watching Martina Navratilova, who I think you know quite well, I Pam, <laughs> on the telly, uh, and she said, "Look, Barty is a disruptor. She she just causes you problems that no one else." can and and i was struck in that first set it, it's it's the the first i've seen of barty uh in person this tournament and i was struck by you know the the one question mark that we and others have had over barty potentially is her occasionally looking underpowered against certain players on the tour and she is relative to some of the biggest hitters underpowered but that was a strength for her today. Making Angelique Kerber generate her own pace was causing Kerber massive problems, I thought. It looked like she was overhitting and overpressing and sort of trying to manufacture things happening rather than trusting her game. And there was Barty just with this incredible sense of self and belief and calm at the other end of the court, just doing her thing with pinpoint precision, just being completely unflappable she was she was extraordinary today I thought she described it as not just the best match I've played but the best match I'll ever play afterwards or the closest the closest thing to the best I will ever play Mm. I mean it was a complete performance and I'm just generally I'll give my view on it in a minute but I'm curious to know as somebody who was a player in an era where some of the I don't know some of the skill set feels like it might be almost transported from that era. Do, do you recognise the game you're watching from Ash Barty? Is there any? Does it feel familiar in a way? Well, there's a lot of players actually. She reminds me of. And first off, I have to, since we're talking about Barty and the fact that she's uh, wearing the outfit she's wearing and paying homage to Yvonne Goulagong, who won this championship in 1971, 50 years ago, and my third year playing the championships, won her second one in 1980 as a mom, uh, which wouldn't be repeated again till Kim Clijsters in 2009. And I think for all of us who competed on the tour and who follows tennis history, um, Yvonne Gulagong is one of the greatest ever. So the fact that Ash is um, representing her, I think is really special. And to carry that, I'm not saying it's a burden, but it's like an added pressure and it's not like ash didn't she already had enough pressure she was trying to get over a major hip injury that took her out of the french she became the substitute for simona halep walked out at you know 130 on tuesday against suarez navarro who everybody in the locker room admires for her fight against cancer i mean barty's had a lot of emotions in this championship needless to say the longest road trip of her life so I just have a lot of admiration for Ash and how she goes about her business. And she's one of the most, like following on from Yvonne, she's one of the most beloved female tennis players of this of her era, which is now. Yeah. This, this thing of playing close to the perfect match, how many times does that happen? Because you... You hear tennis players a lot talk about the key to winning is to win on your bad day because most of the time you're not playing your best. I'm just wondering, like, just how special was this performance from Ash Barty to do that in a semi-final at Wimbledon? You're asking Pam when she played a per- perfect match, aren't you? I, play, I played maybe 
a half of one. But <laughs> but I, I I feel like still today even Barty she she played a really solid match. But I think it was she still has a lot of r- room given her strengths of her serve and her forehand. I still think she's improving as I've watched her through every round. It's what you dream about at a major. You have seven steps to get to the pinnacle. So during these seven steps, and you might take a step back but still get through, but you want to be playing your best tennis towards your seventh step. And that's what I think Barty feels like she's doing, and she's gained confidence in her physical condition. And I feel like she's emotionally ready. I think I love the way she compliments both players, both Pliskova and Barty. Like, everybody's team right now during this pandemic, everybody's sacrificing a lot. I mean, it's not like anyone can go home very easily. I mean, Ties is on the road and leaving his family and sacrificing. And, you know, Barty sat out the pandemic until, you know, after the Australian. So I'm just really admire not just the athlete, but everybody's teams for their sacrifices they're making during a difficult time. Yeah, I, I think she looks the part now as a champion more than more than she ever has in the past even though she's won a grand slam title she she's carrying that mantle with great comfort now although i'm sure there is a lot of pressure she doesn't come across as if there is she both in the way she plays there's there's such knowledge about what she's trying to do as you say she sort of diffused the the kerber game early on and caused her to malfunction and then when kerber lit it up in the in the sort of latter part of that first set and then most of the second set, she then decided to switch gear and meet fire with fire. And I noticed that I mean she hit one Kerber like crouching back and winner down the line, mm. absorbing Kerber's cross court forehand, and it was that's something I've not really seen before. And when she's getting it on the forehand, she's just taking over. Um, and then, frankly, her most impressive weapon of the lot came after she'd won the match when she when she went in that interview and she it is like listening to a Roger Federer now in terms of her total understanding of what she wants to be in a post-match interview and how she's going to incorporate her team and how she's going to make it sound like she loves this sport and loves being out on the road and can't believe her luck and it's not about the result it's about everything it's really infectious and uplifting, and I think it takes the weight off her to talk a lot. It's almost, if I say it, it is it. And uh, I think, I mean, I, I think she'll win the final, um, but I think she could win a lot more as well in the future with this sort of attitude. How hard is it, as a, an athlete and competitive animal, to get yourself to a mental state where you genuinely believe it's not about the result? It's about the process and the experience. and uh, Because I do believe her when she says that. I, I don't believe a lot of players when they say that. I feel like they're sort of trying to hypt- hypnotise themselves into believing that because it is this sort of idealised mental state. But it seems like such... It seems so sort of anachronistic to what's required to be a top-level elite athlete. Well, I think Ash has done a lot of work on herself. Um, you know, I think about the time where she left tennis because she found it all too much. She was the best junior in the world, found the expectations coming from Australia, Grand Slam Nation, and she left for a year and a half. And 
she did a great cross training job of picking up cricket and you know i think she probably did a lot of work on her mindset during that time and when she came back um it was going to be different and um i think you know you hear the language of a lot of players and i listen for the language of those who have been open to receiving help on their mindset and i thought i think we hear that today and it's just like training physically and um you know i'm really happy that the athletes today it's more accepted and they're they're working on the mental side because we all know so many are so close physically that in the end it's like what can your what can your mentality accept process and stay on track in the middle of the most pressurized moments so i give her a ton of credit it must be so hard this this process not outcome thing that you hear all the time from athletes I mean, it's it's an out entire. It's the most outcome based profession imaginable, isn't it? And yet, you're supposed to have the mindset of process, not outcome. I mean, it, I, I find it, I find it extraordinary. It, it feels to me like this has been something she has improved at, even in the last year, um, because it's gone from feeling like she was using the the term "we" and talking about Craig Tizer and the team. That felt a bit like a a comfort blanket to me initially, that she was saying that so that she didn't have to feel isolated on her own. Now it feels like something that's uplifting her and that she is. She sounds totally genuine about the process. And I, I wonder whether really the pandemic helps these players to just understand that, you know what, there's... There's more to it than just winning titles and winning money. Actually, you know what? I really missed tennis, and I really want to play tennis, and otherwise I wouldn't be out here because she could have a lovely life back in Australia with her family, uh, all the money she needs, all the rest of it. She's playing tennis on the road, making what are sacrifices on, on, on that level because she loves the game, loves the sport, and I think that will probably end up making her a better player. Do you agree she'll did what did you what was your wording David probably win the final? I th- she'll win the final. Oh, I like that. I like that being that <laughs> definite. Um well I picked her on espn.com beforehand. I picked her as the winner, but honestly, it was like it was really hard to know going into Wimbledon. What I found a little bit comforting is seeing some order restored because while the French Open was fascinating, like that semifinal lineup, if I just woken up and just seen the four semifinalists, I wouldn't I would I was I would have been lost in space. <laughs> so this has been really great. The fact that we almost had number one versus number two in a final. Instead we have the current number one against a former number one. Um I'd still give the edge to Barty, but Pliskova Plushka showed me some things today that I was like, dang, I, I'm not so sure. We'll see. I hope she can hope she can bring those things you know that's the the most important thing is that just just show up and don't get racked by nerves which would be understandable but i hope i hope she can play speaking of dang at, as a reaction to pliskova matt and i were sat next to an absolutely rabid fanatical Pliskova supporter today. It, it was very strange. I didn't know rabid, fanatical Pliskova <laughs> supporters existed. And then we were sat next to one. 
He was so Very much bizarre. more passionate about Karolina Pliskova's success today than Karolina Pliskova was. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, he is having a party somewhere I, tonight. I, I, I not a party got, party. No, <laughs> no. he's got a well, ticket no, hang on, on Saturday. Before, before that, he was cheering for Barty, just less passionately. He was shouting, come on, Ashley, which sort of gave me the impression that he had read her name off the scoreboard and actually <laughs> never heard of her before today. But Pliskova, I think he knew her whole bio, everything about her, <laughs> knew all the names of her cousins and uh, is currently putting posters of her up onto his wall and getting her face tattooed onto his arm. Um, so, Speaking of tattoos, we're going to have more <laughs> yeah. tattoos in a women's final than normal. Yeah, well, we had uh, Pliskova and Sabalenka both um, tatted up, aren't yeah. they? BBC had a whole whole feature whole on it. Feature this on that. Yes. Yeah. Can we have a word for Kerber? Yes, yes, we should. I mean this this tournament. She's been brilliant. So so great to see her playing well again. Uh, I think even more so than Pliskova, I'd put her in the category of okay, Kerber's Kerber's probably done in terms mm. of competing for these major titles she she wins bad homburg coming in she keeps it up through wimbledon and 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 for me the moment of the day was watching her wrestle back control or get into this match against barty barty had barty was putting on a tactical masterclass in that first set negating kerber's strengths making life difficult for her and kerber just said no and just wrestled her way out of that web and started hitting out and kind of raising the intensity, double fist pumping. I just thought it was it was amazing to witness. And, and she turned that match into what it could be. And, you know, she didn't get over the line, which is more about how great Barty was. But it was it was a great note to end a really strong tournament on for, for actually Kerber, I felt. It's interesting how she connects with a crowd, with those double fist pumps, you know, when she's struggling and then you suddenly see a bit more on her shots and then she gives the gives you something. You can see the crowd thinking, oh, yeah, she'll do. It's funny, isn't it? Because sort of <clears throat> vocally in speeches and press conferences and that sort of thing, she, she doesn't really engage that much. She's perfectly pleasant. She doesn't give an awful lot, you know, post-match, press conf- uh, post-match interviews on court perfectly pleasant just there isn't that spark of connection necessarily it could be a language thing maybe she does in german my language skills aren't up to being able to tell you but with her tennis and her fire when she when she yeah catches fire i suppose on the court it was incredible how the crowd connected with her today and i suppose part of it was everybody wanting a match and wanting more of it but and i think I don't know, I always find it funny when people say that champions are kind of remembered on those courts because it could be a totally different crowd without much knowledge. But I do think, in this instance, Kerber is really recognised and Mm. respected at Wimbledon. You know, finalist in 2016, champion in 2018. She's got a lot of of history here, and I I, I do think that matters. I remember uh, 10 years ago, US Open... 2011 she was out of the top 90 in the world she got through the semi-finals for first semi of a major she was 23 so she'd been playing a few years and it was like kind of out of the blue but she really stayed a part of the conversation for the next 10 years 
And now she's a, I think she's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer with three major titles. She's one leg away from the career Grand Slam, which I don't think she's ever going to win Roland Garros. But, you know, she's been a just a great champion of the last, since she won her first major. Um, and I respect her hard work because it's not like she beats you with power. She beats you with a combination of things. And it certainly always helps to be left-handed. Hmm. Is that where we all went wrong? <laughs> I'm right. Yeah. I went wrong in a few places. It's our parents' fault for not sticking a pen like in Nadal, our left like, hands. Yeah, like Nadal. Yeah, He's right-handed. Exactly. But... Yeah. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Just want to take you through uh, the the doubles results uh, that we had today before we look ahead to tomorrow's men's semi-finals, uh, because we had the men's doubles final decided today, and it will be Nikola Mektic and Mate Pavic who won in four today over Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury. Um, I was on the hill watching the latter stages of this, and it was a double screen with the Sabalenka Pliskova match, and Mektic and Pavic were so emotional when they won won that so so emotional i think it's huge for them to reach a, a wimbledon final together olympic year so they'll be representing croatia together at the olympics and of course they didn't have the chance to to win the title in roland garros due to testing positive for covid they were withdrawn for the from the uh, from the competition so 
yeah, uh, it was it was really big, tough for for Joe Salisbury um, in front of a ho- home crowd. But he is into the mixed semi-finals with Harriet Dart. Mm. That's good. I thought you were going to know that, David, because you're a mixed correspondent for the day. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting you to be surprised <laughs> by that. I've done a mixed, yes, but I think that match must have just only just finished. But I'm, I'm just a bit gutted for Jeremy, Jeremy Shardy and Naomi Brody because we know Naomi and she's really nice. Okay, but also please for Harriet Dart and Joe Salisbury. Yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> they're through. To- I am really. I am really. <laughs> They're through to the mixed doubles semi-final. Uh, also through to the men's doubles final. So it'd be Nikola Mektic, Mate Pavic, the top seeds, of course. They've been just almost unbeatable so far this year. They'll play Marcel Granoyas and Horatio Zabaios. They won in three sets over I can, it, it, Maximo Gonzalez and Simone Bolelli, who is still playing professional tennis at the age of 50. <laughs> well done. Well done for reaching the semi-finals to those two. Hey, listen, one of my regrets was not signing up to be like an alternate in the mixed doubles because I could have gotten in because they had all these like walk <laughs> They did, didn't they? They, yeah. they, needed, they needed alternate teams. Matt, you and I could have signed up. could have done. That would have been fun. Oh, wait, talk wait. about sliding doors tennis. <laughs> which, side, which side of the net of the courts would you have? I, I would give Matt the ad side. I love the ad side. Perfect. Oh, we've started something. Eh? Hang on. When you say you would give me the ad side, <laughs> would you normally play on the ad side? No, no. I I won most of my majors on the on the deuce court, the right side. Yeah. We're meant so to good. be, Pam. <laughs> just that Pam's so good, she can do whatever the hell she likes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Matt's backhand and all that. You thought Pam was, was giving you her best side, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> well, I, that's why I questioned it. <laughs> Uh, let's have a, a quick look ahead to tomorrow. I was just going to say, or it could be Pam and me, and I could just serve and then just go and stand in the tram lines. The problem is the serve is a problem, though. He's <laughs> well, making that sound like it's a done deal. The, the serve is the worst bit. That strategy would have been okay 30 years ago, 35 <laughs> years ago, but not now. <laughs> um, right then, the men's single semi-finals tomorrow. What's happening? Matteo Berrettini... Hubert Hercatch first up. Again, we we just heard, uh, we we had Martina and Anki Othavong on the BBC and, and Anki Othavong um, disri- described Hercatch as sort of quite a strong favourite in that match. She's obviously very convinced by what she's seen so far, but um, yeah, I, 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 I think Berrettini, but... Yeah, I, I think Anne was... I think it was a feeling she had based on what she'd seen in, in the last couple of rounds, just style-wise out of her catch. Um, but, and I can I can see it, but I, I just believe in Berrettini's ability to just get the best out of himself on any given day. And I think that will happen, and I think that that will end up being enough. What's well, an unknown, really, when you get two people who've never played in a Wimbledon semifinal before? I mean, when you think about how Hercotch came out uh, to beat Medvedev uh, on center, it was great. He had a look at center. I, I mean, his win over Federer to me is not discounted, but it just Federer was obviously not Federer. But I think the the two the two power shots of Matt. <laughs> Matt's going to be too much in the end. Not you, 
Matt. <laughs> no, a moment his, where his I thought, little face. Sorry, sorry. I'm in the mixed doubles of Pam Shriver, the Wimbledon semi-finals. He's wow. in the mix. Uh, no, I, I agree. I, I'm I'm persuaded by Berrettini's serve and forehand combination, and and as David says that that belief he's playing with is. Very few players have beaten Berrettini on a grass court. I mean, this season, nobody, it, even, the, even the season before in 2019, it took a, took a great performance from Federer to stop him at Wimbledon. He also won Stuttgart that year. He's won so many matches on this surface. I, I'm going to just give the edge to him. His girlfriends had a great tournament. Tom Janovic, Italy's playing... England Sunday night. I mean, Italy yeah. is losing to it's, England on fine. Sunday night. Fine, they're going to lose. Yeah. A, a but, bad day for Italy on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's already scheduled. Bad day for Italy on Sunday. It's in the calendar. Um, question for all of you: Is it possible to be in a Wimbledon semi-final and not in the mix? And is that the situation that Denis Shapovalov is in? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, think how many times people have played Federer in his prime or Djokovic in his prime. But I give Shapovalov, um, I'm not saying he's going to win, but I think Shapovalov um, could very well win a set. I just remember Lefty doing pretty well in the first set against Djokovic. I think it's a match where Dennis won't feel pressure unless he gets in a winning position. I think he's going to mm. swing all out. I've been actually pretty impressed by the maturity, the way he just closed out Murray, who I know nine sets into the tournament. He was below even 2021 Andy Murray, but I feel like Shapovalov has grown up a bit, and I think he's going to cause some discomfort to Djokovic tomorrow. It, it, but what chance would you give him of winning? 15%. Is 15% enough to put you in the mix? Yes. He's in the mix? Yes, he's in the mix. Uh, and by the way, you know how I was appealing for a a name for fans of Shapovalov, you know, a, a believer uh, kind of similar, you know. Well, I've got, I've been, I've got, I've been inundated <laughs> by listeners who've... It's it's a pal. <laughs> yeah, sort of, yeah. Uh, the the listeners, the the I, I didn't even poll vault this, but lots and lots of people wrote in with Shapovalov lover. No, 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 you've got no, it wrong. No, you've no. got it wrong. It's lover. Is it? It's Shapovalover. Yeah. It's just Shapovalov with E R on the end. Yeah. I can't say that fast. <laughs> you got to practice. Shapovalov. the word. You can just put the word lover on any name. Well, Berrettini lover. That's the one. Yeah. It sounds like Pam, you might be one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I'm... I don't think he's in the mix. I think Djokovic, I, I think Shapovalov will play a great match, pro- possibly even probably win a set and, and inevitably lose. I didn't think Djokovic looked good in the quarters, but I'm not sure he had to play his best in the quarters. But I just, I don't know. Like, you can never afford, in my mind, even Djokovic cannot afford to start be playing worse in the quarters in the semis. So he better pick up his game in the semis. I think he gets a bit stressed tomorrow. I think we see the full thing. Mm. I think he wins, but he gets stressed. Yeah, I think I think I'm persuaded by Djokovic in four... Maybe with three tight sets and then an easier one. 
I, I go with my mixed doubles partner. I think that's a good call. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you've been ganged up on, David. I, I'm, I just think it's the coolest thing in the world that we've we've got Matt Roberts and Pam Shriver as a mixed doubles partner. <laughs> You've got to find yourself a teammate, I'm, David. I'm playing tennis tomorrow, and no offence to my partner, it's going to be nowhere near as good as the tennis going on my head right now. You are you are Martina Navratilova in this scenario, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Pam. <laughs> right then, seeing as seeing as we've got you, Pam, and we're we're projecting into the unknown future. Who, who are we going to win these titles? Well, I mean, I picked Djokovic and Barty beforehand, so there's no reason to change now. Um, I, I think, Matt, and you might remember when I did the podcast selection from quarters on, I think I had Berrettini to getting through to the finals in his half. That I sounds might, right. I may yeah. have been wrong. No, I think but so. But if, if I can get three of the four right, then... You know, I'll tell you, I've been finishing like somewhere between fifth and seventh. This will be my third major as part of the podcast prediction beforehand. So I'll accept that. That's nice for you, Pam, but we are cancelling the predictions competition. So it'll all, <laughs> it'll all be for naught, I'm afraid. No, but you guys have your daily predictions. I'm talking yeah, about we're Yeah, one... we're cancelling that as well. <laughs> oh, you, for all, your sake. It's all off. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's, it was, it was a silly idea anyway. Um, is, so we're going to have, so you, you predict that after this Wimbledon, we will have Djokovic, Nadal, yeah, and Federer all on twenty. Which, I mean, can we just say that like <laughs> seven, eight times to really fully yeah. comprehend it? And and with Nadal entering Washington, P.S. And My addendum, home area, P.S. An addendum to today's news, signalling his intent for the hardcourt season and for the U.S. Open. So I'm just going to paint a picture for you of Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal in the U.S. Open final competing for 21. Well, let me just say about entering D.C., having grown up nearby, it's the most hot and humid part of the country for that time of year. So for Nadal to try and get ready for the U.S. Open, I think it's actually a really smart move. And you know what? It's interesting to see like how what Federer did to stop playing in the middle of Rolling Garros so he'd have a better chance at Wimbledon and then have Rafa decide not to play Wimbledon so he could maybe be in a better shape for the U.S. Open. It's a very strange time how these greats are trying to line their games up strategically. And I love that Washington features in that strategy. Mm. They've got a great field. Mm. Um, Kyrgios, Auger-Aliassime, TFO, I think, all going. And Nadal just adds to that. Oh, I'm seriously pumped about the idea of a seriously pumped Nadal <laughs> in New York going trying toe-to-toe to with Djokovic, trying to, trying to stop him. You know, he, he could be on for the golden calendar slam i'm getting way ahead of myself but <laughs> it's possible it's it's probably odds on at this stage that mm. he'll be going for the golden calendar slam anyway anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves will we see federer back at wimbledon pam i thought so before the tournament i didn't think he would end wimbledon without his family here but um after sort of seeing him in the quarters and listening to his press conference i think it's less than 50 50 i think we may have seen the last of him serena I think even less likely that she'll be back. I just, it's really hard to stay fit for another year. And um, I don't know, I 
just she can't keep coming back from more and more injuries. So I think it's it's definitely a turning point pivot time is uh, the summer of 2021. The summer that Pam Shriver and Matt Roberts became a doubles partnership. And That's... undefeated so far. <laughs> <laughs> Long may it remain that case. Uh, Pam, it's been such a pleasure to have you. Well, I met you guys uh, 14, no, 16 months ago, thanks to Mary Carrillo. And um, you've been a really big part of my pandemic. So thanks for becoming my friends. <laughs> I hope we don't lose all our listeners when COVID disappears. <laughs> um, Pam, it really has been such a pleasure. We have how many more of these podcasts to go? Only three of them. Is that right? Yeah. I still want on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and who knows what will happen on Sunday after we've won the Euros and we're too busy bouncing around the room to record a podcast. Anyway, enough getting ahead of ourselves. Let's thanks give thanks to our mascots, uh, Zeus. That we won't dwell, Zeus. Scousel Mousel Rogue Mocker is our Wimbledon mascot. We have Chris Albert Lee, who's our executive producer, and Matt. We've got shout outs. Yes, in fact, I wonder whether my doubles partner might like to read out the shout outs, make sure. it make it extra special for these oh. these lucky three. Um, there you go, Pam, I'll pass you my phone. Those are today's shout outs. Check him out, already talking about his doubles partner in every <laughs> sentence. Check him out. Jeff Schinder. Oh. Schinder. Sh- hey, we Sh- don't do the pronunciations. <laughs> Eleanor, first off, my sister's Eleanor, Eleanor Hawkins. Um, thank you, Eleanor. Pam's buying in. And Michael Demore. Let's Ooh. hear it from Michael Demore, not from Baltimore. <laughs> oh, nailed oh, it. Every, you're way every, better at this than I am. Everybody that has their shout outs tomorrow is going to be very disappointed, aren't they? They're going to think, we just missed the Pam Shriver boat. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Pam. Thank you to our three shout out listeners for supporting us. We'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow after men's semi-finals day. And of course, we'll be looking ahead to the finals as well. Oh my gosh, I almost didn't thank Billie Jean King. <laughs> Billie Jean King sponsors Billie Jean. It's because she's been so quiet for the recording. I forgot she was here. You got the memo. Anyway, thank you a million times over to Billie Jean King. We'll be back tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.